You know, in the past month, our sermons has been focusing on rebuilding, and we have touched on various topics that is important for us to rebuild. There are things, areas of our life that we need to, re, to rebuild, and we have shared on the rebuilding of the church, rebuilding of our families, and rebuilding of our lives. Let me just do some short recap of what we have learned for the past months as we've been looking at rebuilding. First, rebuilding of the church, a few of them. He said the first priority of the church is God, to worship, adore, and glorify Him. And another aspect that we learned is that as a church, we are called to worship God through our lives, commanded to seek the welfare of others, and empowered to witness for Jesus Christ. Ayun po ang pinag-aralan natin. So do, if you want to go back, you can re- refer to YouTube or Facebook sa aming mga sermon na ito, a rebuilding of the church. And also we are look at rebuilding our families. Pastor Ray shared to us that there is hope in grace and pardon and love for messy families, and it can be found in Jesus Christ. Ang Panginoon lang po, ang tutulong sa atin, huwag rebuild ang our family. And then Brother Bong shared a very practical reminder to all parents. He says, your parents need to be proactive in developing the right principles in their children. It's a challenge to all of us, especially this time, that we need to be proactive in developing right principles sa ating mga pamilya. At the same time, the last month, we've been talking about rebuilding of our lives. And here, Pastor Ray shared, our worth and value must be rooted in our identity in Christ. At the same time, with that identity in Christ, it calls us to live a new life, a lifetime of journey of following Jesus. It's a discipleship journey. So we've been discussing about this rebuilding. However, we know that when we build, when we rebuild, it's never easy. Hindi bastang ganun lang madali. It's never an easy task. There are moments that we will be discouraged. There are moments that we will be disheartened because of so many challenges we face in life. We want to rebuild something right, right now in COVID-19. We have plans. We want to build our lives. Pero parang now put on hold. We face so many, many challenges and disappointment that it demoralizes us and disheartens us. The same time, rebuilding requires patience. At tingnan nyo tong Eiffel Tower. It took years for Eiffel Tower to be built. It's not just one day. Years or months. Rebuilding or building requires us to do it in a right way, right approach, because it will be tested and challenged. There's a picture that I saw. It's a, it's a, it's a bridge in Japan. Ito nangyari sa bridge. Earthquake came. What happened? It collapsed. Why? They said that there's an inadequate structural design in this bridge. You see, rebuilding requires, it's not an easy task. And today, as we conclude our rebuilding team, we will look on how God reminded and encouraged the Israelites when they returned from their exile, as they rebuild their lives, family, and community. 
You see, let's look at God's word and how God encouraged them and reminded them so that they will rebuild something that will last. We'll be looking at Isaiah 58, verse 1 to 14, and I've entitled this sermon, Rebuilding to Last. I invite all of you to stand as we read God's word together. I know those who are here unable to read, uh, you can read from your heart as we can follow along with me. Isaiah 58, verse 1 to 14. Let's read. Cry aloud. Do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression to the house of Jacob, their sins. Yet they seek me daily in delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask for me righteous judgment. They delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves? You have not, you have not taken no knowledge of it. Behold, in the day your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked feast. Fasting like yours this day will not make you your voice be heard on high. In such the fast that I choose, a day for a person to humble himself. Is it to bow down his head like reed and to spread, spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call him a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is it not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of the wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst and pointing of the finger and speak of wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be at the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong and you shall be like watered garden, like a spring of water whose water do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. We shall raise up the foundation of many generations. We shall be called the repairers of the bridge, the restorer of the street to dwell in. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight in the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I'll make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this time that once again we are gathered in our respective places. Despite, Lord, that we might not be here physically together, we know, Lord, that we are in one spirit. Lord, our desire is that you will speak to our heart. Our desire, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to move mightily, 
that you will illuminate your word so that we can understand it clearly. Lord, I pray that you speak your truth so that we will humble ourselves before you, that you will help, that you will change us from our innermost being so that the way we live will be right to you and the way we will build will be pleasing to you. Salamat po, Panginoon, for this time that we are gathered once again. We give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, church tradition and even biblical scholars affirm that the book of Isaiah was written by prophet Isaiah. Kaya pag pinag-aralan mo, sometimes they have many debate who wrote it. You see, you read Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1, he says here, the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah. See, his prophetic work began at the end of reign of King Uzziah at 740 BC. And he continued his service for a number of years. Maraming hari siyang dinaanan. He served faithfully. And very interestingly, some scholars suggest that Isaiah was addressing the Israelites at three different events and scenarios at different times. Gets nyo ang sinabi ko? Hindi ko gets. Isaiah was speaking to the Israelites to a different scenarios, three different scenarios at different time. I will just show you, according to some of the, the, the commentary and even in the Gospel Coalition, sabi doon, you can divide the book of Isaiah into three parts. Let me show you. The first part is there. Isaiah 1 to 39, in the Isaiah 40 to 45, in the Isaiah 55 to 56. You can divide it into three parts. The first part, Isaiah was speaking to his people. He's speaking to the Israelites. He's speaking to his people and their wickedness because they were rebellious. So he was speaking to his contemporary in his time. He's telling them, rather than, because at that time there were other nations that's coming, so rather than trusting God, these kings, these nations, and Israelites were going after other nations. But Isaiah is telling them, don't, don't return. Don't trust them. However, they did not listen. They rebelled against God. So God bring them, brought judgment before them. Then after that, we see in the second part, Isaiah 40 to 55. Isaiah now speaking to the people who have exiled to Babylonian. 200 years later. Ang galing. Now he's speaking to a new group of people who are now exiled in Babylon. He defeated the people. The people were defeated and they are under the pagan rule. And you look at it, the reason why Isaiah was brought, he was to give them counsel, God's promise and restoration. Isaiah 56 to 55. 
now, once again, Isaiah was speaking to a new group of people who have returned to Jerusalem. So nakita niyo paano? Paano niya nagawa yan? You know, when I was studying this, how can he speak? When a, a prophet would stand before, just imagine you're standing at MBS. When you take a picture, pag nag-picture ka flat, pero doesn't mean lahat na building ay hilera, iba-ibang distance. The same time, when Isaiah was speaking, he was speaking probably here, but when God gave him that, that revelation, he will also speak far away, and he will speak to a far away. So in Isaiah 56 to 55, 6 to 66, he was speaking to a group of people who have returned to Jerusalem. And God is telling them, I have fulfilled the promise, and he gave them the instruction on how to live. Notice this. You see the similarities, the parallelism in here? From a person who's rebellious, a group of people who are rebellious, brought to judgment, yet was restored by God, and God telling them how to live. Do you see the reflection in our life? We were far away from the Lord, yet God promised a Savior, and He made a way for us. Jesus paid the, the payment, and now we are with Him, and He's telling how, us how to live. You see the similarities here. A beautiful. But notice in our text here, in our reading. See, during the rebuilding, God was addressing certain issues that He observed in His people. That He bluntly say this in verse 1. Sabi niya sa verse 1. Cry aloud. Do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression to the house of Jacob, their sin. Sabi ng Panginoon kay Isaiah, wag kang, wag kang soft. Sound like a trumpet. Have you ever heard a trumpet? Pag nakarinig ka ng trumpet, malakas ang trumpet. Talagang matisira ang tenga mo. Wala tayong trumpet player today. Sabi niya, don't be soft. Tell them the truth. Expose their sin in transgression. Tell them the truth. You see, in here, God was confrontational because He wants His people, people that have been redeemed and restored, He wants them to know the truth so that they will live right and rebuild their life right. You know, a dear pastor of mine once said to me, he says, many times we want to get devotion and inspiration from the Scripture, but oftentimes we ignore and embrace the hard truth. Sometimes we look for inspiration, and there's nothing wrong with that. But when God speaks hard truth to our hearts, there's a purpose because He wants us to live right. He wants us to live a life according to Him, and we have to embrace those, truth, those hard truths. You know, sometimes, um, not sometimes, many times, hard truths will hurt our pride because it will call us to humility. Hard truth will unveil the condition of our heart Areas that we need to surrender before the Lord. The same time, hard truth will direct us to the right path. Not our own path, but God's path. You see, in the midst of this rebuilding, God was telling and calling His people to be set apart, to be true, and to be authentic. 
God wants His people to be genuine in their life. Therefore, the first thing we can learn here is this. Rebuilding to last call us to reorient our life for God's pleasure. A life that's authentic and genuine before God. To reorient our life for God's pleasure. Authentic and genuine before God. When I talk about authenticity and being genuine, what I meant is to be real before God. It means no falsehood. It is a call for integrity. It's a call to be reminded that God sees our external action. At the same time, He calls us to see God sees the inner condition. It does not just look at how we do it, but also why we do it. Kaya tingnan mo yung katabi mo. Sabi mo ba, real ka ba o fake? Those in hope room, alam ko, nagpa-partner-partner kayong dalawa dyan. Kasi by two lang. Sabi mo, real ka ba o fake? Sabi mo katotohanan. Because God sees what's happening inside us. Now, if we return in our context, in our text, God was commending their action. He's saying them, I see. You, you seek me daily. You delight to know my ways. Then he said, you ask of me your righteous judgment. You delight to draw near to God. Napapansin niya, alam niya, nakita niya. You fasted, you humbled yourself. You even bowed down like his head, the reed, and spread sackcloth and ashes under him. And he called the Sabbath a delight, a holy day of the Lord, honorable. God sees what they are doing. God sees that they are, God sees that they are externally expressing their worship and adoration to the Lord. But you know what? This is what God said to them. Pero you oppress all your workers. Nagfa-fast ka, nagpe-pray ka, nag- you follow the Sabbath, you oppress. After you fast, in verse 4, you quarrel, you fight. To hit with wicked fists. In verse 7, you fast but you, sh- you do not share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house. When you see the naked, you cover him and you cover him and not hide your, and not hide yourself from your own flesh. In verse nine b, you you take out if you take away the yoke from your meats, then you point fingers pa and you're speaking wickedness. You notice here what God is seeing. Yes, you are religiously faithful, devoted, but you're not sincere. You're not doing the other part. You know, I, I, you know, God is not saying that we shouldn't fast or we shouldn't, shouldn't observe Sabbath. He's not saying those are bad or wrong, but His, his intention is to di- direct us to right living. Hindi ka lang nagpe-pray, yung katabi mo, gutom. Hindi ka lang nagpe-pray, tapos kaaway mo pa yung katabi mo. You see, notice the dichotomy here. They are religiously devoted. However, God saw the insincerity that they're doing it out of their responsibilities and duties. And the root cause of their contradiction is their misplaced affection. 
instead of this doing for God's pleasure, they're doing it for themselves. You know, verse 3 and verse 13 highlights the root problem. You seek your own pleasure. Seeking your own pleasure. You know, this should warn us because if we seek our own pleasure, rather than seeking God's pleasure, our religious expression and our devotion will be in danger and be, can become distorted in self-gratification. For example, there's a danger that we become transactional rather than translational. During the time in this Near Eastern religion, during their period, if you would even watch movies on how they would come to their gods, small g's, they would offer sacrifices. The reason why they want to offer sacrifices, they, the reason why they would worship their gods during that time is because they want something in, in return. If they want to have a good crops, they will offer it to the gods of fertility. If they want to win a war, if you watch those movies, what they will do? They will offer it so that they can get back. When we are doing it in our own pleasure, it becomes transactional rather than relational. At the same time, if we are doing it for our own pleasure and not God, it becomes a performance rather than a posture of humility. We elevate ourselves as one who have that spiritual maturity. You know, I learned something. Spiritual maturity if you see someone who's matured, is someone humble. Humble before God and humble before man. Hindi siya magmamayabang. Hindi niya sasabihin, Bal, ilan oras ka nagpray? Puro bay ka lang eh. Hindi ka nagpe-pray. Ako, nagpe-pray ako. Sana naman nag-upload ka nagpe-pray. There are times that become self-serving. We promote ourselves. We think highly of ourselves because we seek our own pleasure. At the same time, it dichotomizes our life. Because we seek our own pleasure, we have a tendency to departmentalize our life. Pag Sunday is for God, for Monday and Saturday is for myself. We, we highlight things more important than others. We forgot that we are being redeemed, that we belong to Him, that we are called to worship Him, to be alive of worship 24-7. You know, this should remind us there's a need for us to continually reorient our life in bringing pleasure to God. There's always a need for us to check whether we are seeking our own pleasure or our seeking God's pleasure. Because if we decide to build something that will last, something that's God-honoring, Christ-centered, our heart must be in the right composure, oriented to bring Him pleasure and honor. You know, it's easy to 
sometimes it's, it's hard to distinguish whether you're doing it for God or for yourself. I remember, I think I have shared this long time ago in YWZA, when I was invited to speak some in the now for a youth camp, Pastor Jerry said, go and go there. Ikaw lang mag-isa. Sabi ko, wow. Huwag mo naman takutin. So I said, come on, kaya yan. So I went there. I, I said, Lord, I'll be speaking for two nights. Mga a few series. Anong sermon? So whole month, I was fasting and praying. I said, Lord, give me the sermon. Lord, give me the sermon. I want to impact this youth, this next generation. Lord, empower me. Come on, Lord. First day, wala. Next day, sige, maghahabaan ko. Lord, help your way. I'll fast more, I'll pray more. Lord, give me that sermon so that I can move. I can, you can use me for your glory. Yon, sabi ko pa yon. Lord, you can use me for your glory. Seven days before the, the camp, before my flight, wala pa rin. Wala pa rin sermon na lumalabas. I tried. Alam mo, madaling mag-pick up lang at magturo. Ba iba yung mag, pag si Lord talaga nag-impress sa inyong heart at magturo. Oh, that seven days, wala pa rin. Si Lord, what's wrong? Have I seen? And I was rebuked in a still small voice in the time of prayer. I said, you fast and pray because you want sermon, not me. You want sermon, not me. You know, it rebuked my heart. That stillness in my heart. I was approaching God because I want something. Rather than approaching God and that it's Him that I want. It's always important to reorient our life to bring Him pleasure. Check our heart. Lord, kayo ba rin pa focus ng aking buhay? Help me so that it is you, Lord, that I was sick. You know what happened that time? I just repent and ask, Lord, I'm sorry that I just come to you because I want a sermon or I want a teaching. I want to be anointed. But I miss to be with you. See, rebirthing that last calls us to continually reorient our life to bring God pleasure. Secondly, rebuilding calls us to realize God's greater plan. When the Israelites returned to Jerusalem, they were welcomed with many rubbles, damaged walls, ruined streets, broken homes, and it's a perfect reflection of their shattered lives and broken nation. Kaya in Nehemiah, if you read Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 3, ito in description. And they said to me, the remnants there in province who have, been, who have survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and those gates are destroyed by fire. You see, when you view such scene, it can bring discouragement and it will be depressing. And it can even cause us to just give up and walk away. Malaking problema yan, ba't ako makikialaw? 
similar to our lives. If you look around us, there will be ruins and challenges that, that God calls us to rebuild. And sometimes, we feel, you feel na parang ang hirap nito. You know, how should we respond? I believe one best response is for us not to lose hope, is always to return to His promise. For us to return to His word. Because when we return to His word, we will see beyond the rebels. When we begin to return to His word, our perspective will change. We begin to leverage opportunity despite of all the challenges that we are facing. We will look at them as opportunities rather than mahirap, but opportunities. When we return to His word, it's an opportunity for us to trust God and His might. When we return to His promises, we begin to realize that God has a greater purpose and plan. Notice what God said to His people, sabi dito, in verse 12. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall rise up the foundation of many generations. You shall be called the repairers of the bridge, the restorer of streets to dwell in. See, this is a promise of restoration. And as a promise that restoration is also a call to trust God and to begin the work. Look at the words he said. You shall rise. You shall repair. You shall be called. You know what it means? Yung sinabing you, it means you. Kaya tignan mo yung katabi mo, turo mo, ikaw yun. You. It's a call to do the work. It's a call to get your hands dirty. It's a call not to be lazy, but simply obey. And as you obey, God will help us. You see, look at the text here. As we obey God, it is His promise that the ancient ruins will be rebuilt. When, when we talk about ancient ruins, it speaks of the wall of Jerusalem. But it can be significant even life of what we are going through. The challenges that we face. It causes us to get into the work. And as we get into the work, it says here, you repair the bridge. It means wall, which leads to protection. You restore the streets, a place where you can have rest and peace. But there's one area that I would like us to look at. The word there, you shall raise up a foundation for many generations. This means as you work, as you do the rebuilding that God has given you, you're not doing it only for yourself, but you're also laying down the foundation for the next generation. It's not just for today, but it's also for tomorrow. And we should never lose sight that what we are doing now, like Nehemiah in Israel, if you've been following the 40 days prayer, they were working hard, tirelessly, not just for themselves, but for their people, for the next generation. But the question we have to ask is this. Do we realize that we are responsible? The reason that why we are here, 
the reason why you are in that family, the reason why you're in the church, that ministry, that care group, at this time, is not an accident, but it's a call to build so that the next generation will benefit on it. You see, as we rebuild our lives, our life, it will impact our children and people around us. As we rebuild our families, our wives, our children will be ministered. As we rebuild our church, we will set a level of spiritual maturity so the next generation will continue on walking faithfully for the Lord. You know, there's a teacher of mine in school I was speaking to him because he's very smart. And, and I was speaking to him. I said, you have so much opportunity. You can go U.S. and study. You are... You can further your doctorate and so on. Why are you teaching here in this school? Why are you just teaching in Acts? Why don't you go and fly higher, go U.S., and, and go anywhere you want, where the school, where you think you can achieve. You know what he told me? He said this. The reason why he's teaching in Acts or teaching rather than become a writer or what, he said, I'm teaching because I want to teach the pastor that will teach my children. You see his motivation? I want to teach the pastor who will teach my children. He's not just looking for him, for, for his, what he can achieve. He's looking after ahead. When he said, I want to teach the pastor, the pastors that will teach my children, he is building the foundation for the next generation. His concern is not by his needs or wants, but he saw more than that, a greater plan and purpose of God for the next generation. You know, as a church living word, we thank God for the pioneering members who have been so faithful, who have worked so tirelessly in their best capacity. The reason why we are here today because someone has laid the foundation in the past. They have worked tirelessly. And now there's a call for this next generation, us, who are here. I don't know how long you'll be here. Because being a migrant church, people move in and out. Some of us will stay here for long. But I pray that God will open our eyes to see not just our one, but what God wants for our family, for the church for His people, so that the next generation will have a foundation to stand on. I believe it's a time for us to rise up, to be faithful in God's call for us to build. And may we set our eyes to see that God has a grand plan and purpose greater than ours, but it is all in front 
is also impact not just us today, but also the next generation. So we learn that rebuilding calls us to reorient our life to God's pleasure. Secondly, we learn rebuilding to, is causing us to realize God's plan. And lastly, rebuilding calls us to rely upon God's empowerment. You see, as we rebuild, it will demand a lot from us. There are moments that we will be disappointed. There are moments that we will be discouraged. There are times that we want to surrender because we're not seeing what we want or not seeing any result. But remember what God promised as we obey His call. He says here in verse 10, Then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as noonday. God will give you hope. Have you ever walked in darkness? Patay ilaw? Have you tried walking? There are times we are in those situations that we don't know where to go. But when there is hope, we have the direction. When there is light, we will know how to go. God promised His presence. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and He will say, Here I am. God promised as you do the work of rebuilding, His presence will be with you. And He said, Here I am. Hindi ka nag-iisa. Hindi ka nag-iisa. Paminsan, at times when I would speak to some brethren, pag tinatawagan ko sila, when they would talk, sometimes they say, parang nag-iisa sila. If you feel you're alone, call upon the Lord and remember, He hears you and His presence is with you. Hindi ka nag-iisa. See, look at God's promises. In verse 11, He said, He will be your guide and the Lord will guide you continually. The direction. Some of our brethren are migrating. You know the demands of that. Ang hirap mag-migrate to move to another place. Some lose their jobs and they have to move out. In those moments, all the more you need God's guidance because we can't see that what lies in front of us. We need guidance. But God promised the Lord will guide you continually. He also promised that He will give His sustenance and protection. He says, and satisfy your desires, desire in scorched places. Remember when the Israelites were walking in the, in the wilderness for 40 years, what did the Lord do? God provided their food. God provided their water. Ayun yung unang grab. Yun ang unang food panda. God provided what they did. God protected them. In the hot daytime, they have a cloud that's following. At nighttime, there is a wall. There's a fire or pillar. The Lord will protect. The Lord brings sustenance. Same time, we see what the Lord promised. His strength and courage. And make your bones strong. 
You know, there are times that our bones are not strong. Either kulang ng gatas, kaya kulang, kaya bones are strong, but there are times you see people afraid, unable to face tomorrow because they are weak. Pansin niyo pag yung tumatayo sa, sa harapan, makita mo nagsisik yan. Bones. There are times when we face life, we have no courage. We are stuck. But you know what God said? I will make your bones strong. I will make your bones strong. You will be able to stand up and face that storm. Not your own strength, but I, God, will make your bones strong. Anong hirap ang dinadaanan mo? God will make your bones strong. You'll be able to have the courage to face what's in front. You know also what God promised? He also promised His life. He says here, and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose water do not fail. Why I said life? You see, His life brings us life that we overflow. It brings life on others. You see, when God overflow in our life, we become a blessing. We become an encourager. We become an extension of God's love grace and mercy around us. You see, when we are at overflowing of His Spirit and His Word, we become like a watered garden. You know, sometimes a people who are not like a watered garden are people who are dry. They are the people who drain your life. Have you experienced people drain your life? Instead of them giving you life, ina-absorb yung life mo. Napapagod ka pagkasama mo siya, parang bakit ganyan? But you know, when you are walking and living in God, abiding in Him, it is Him that will make you bear fruit. When you are walking in Him, the Holy Spirit will steer your heart. And it will overflow in you. Like this watered garden ministering to people around us. You see, when I look at all these promises, as I look in all these promises, do you know who I remember? I remember my Savior. I remember Jesus our Lord and Savior, because Jesus is the light of the world. In the midst of darkness, He brings light. It reminds me of Jesus, Jesus the Good Shepherd, who leads us, who protects us, who provides. It reminds me of Jesus, the living water, who will quench our thirst. Brothers and sisters, we might be facing a tough and challenging task in the, the task that God calls us to rebuild. May it be our life, may it be our family, may it be our church, may it be our dreams, and even ministry. But let us remember to set our eyes on our Lord Jesus Christ and abide in Him, for, for He will guide us, for He will strengthen us, for He will help us.
We are not doing it alone. We are not doing it by our own strength. But may we hold on the promise of God when he's, which we read in Hebrews chapter 13. Sabi dito, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can continually say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear. As we reveal, God will help us in all the challenges that we are facing. You see, rebuilding calls us to reorient our life for God's pleasure. Rebuilding calls us to realize God's greater plan in our life, to see beyond what we see, to see for the next generation. Rebuilding our life calls us to rely upon God's empowerment. Notice here. Notice the message of God to His people. As they rebuild, seek God's pleasure. As they rebuild, see God's purpose. As they rebuild, be sustained by God's power. For us to rebuild that something that will last is a call for us not to focus on ourselves, but to focus in God Himself. Because Christ is our firm foundation. It is Him where us, where all that we will build in Him will not be shaken because He is a strong rock, a firm foundation. It reminds us of our team for this year. Not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of God. As I conclude and I call upon the worship team, let me to- tell you a story about this businessman who has to, who have to constantly li- rebuild his life. He has to rebuild his life multiple times and even his business. His name is Oli Kirk Christensen. Mahirap pronounce yung pangalan niya. Oli Kirk. You see, he was born in a poor family. He grew up in a farm. And as he was growing up, he, he worked hard and became a carpenter. And his business was carpentry. So what he would do, he make ladder, he make stool, he make a table and chair. That was his business. And He's, he built ironing board. He set up a furniture shop. And this man and his family is a devoted Christian. They are a member of a Danish Christian movement called Endre Mission. If you would Google this Endre Mission, ang, ang ginagawa nila is to work with the poor people, to minister to them, to give them uh, a place where they can uh, uh, better their life. And many times he was challenged and tested. Because in 1924, his home and his workshop was burned down. Alam mo sino nagsunog? Yung anak niya, naglalaro ng pusporo. O di nasunog ang bahay. That's 1924. And then 1929, 
So, 1924, sabi niya, oh, nasunog din, let's rebuild again. Mas malaking bahay, mas malaking workshop. But in 1929, there is an American stock market plunge. So, walang business. He, om- he, he was almost bankrupt. And then 1932, his wife died while giving birth to his fourth son. And, he's in, 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 they were studying his life. He made a quote during this time. He says, life is a gift, but also a challenge. And during that period is also the Great Depression. Financial disasters. They struggle to make ends meet. No one is buying, buying their iron horse. Ironing board. Iron horse. No one is buying the chair. Who will buy the chair? Wala. Walang pagkain. Wala. Zero. No one was buying what he's building. And then he has an idea. Probably he should start making toys. Wooden toys. So he began to sell wooden toys. At my bumili. And then in 1942, his business grew. However, nasunog uli ang factory niya. Walang fire safety. Nasunog uli. All the production was lost. Everything was lost. Pumasok naman ang World War II. Walang nangyari. He suffered once again. But in 1947, he started producing toys again. But instead of wood, he used plastic. There's many more challenges he faced that I did not mention. But you know, this guy has so many opportunities to give up has many opportunity not to rebuild his life or his business or his family. He can just leave it and just move forward and forget about it. But you know what historians said about him? He says, they said here, Oli Kirk's fate helped him through his personal crisis, including the death of his wife in 1932, which left him with his four young sons to look after. It is fate. Nobody, no, normally we don't read about this guy. But what we know about him is this. He's the founder of Lego. You know, I hope his story encourages us to trust God. Many times his life gone through challenges but he learned to trust the Lord and build his life brick by brick because you know what life is like Lego there are times in life it will break us apart it will break us apart situation can break us apart 
But remember this. Even though it can break us apart, we have a God who can rebuild our life again. Because He's our great rebuilder. Let us pray. Lord, you are our great rebuilder. And we thank you for your faithfulness upon our life. I pray, O oh God, that if any one of us are struggling at this period, with so much uncertainties in front, in front of them, or even, Lord, it seems that their lives are shattered. Lord, remind all of us that it is you that will reveal and revive and restore our life again. Strengthen our faith to trust your word. And Lord, I pray that you always would reorient our life to seek your pleasure. And as we seek your pleasure, you will guide us to, you will help us to see a grandeur, a greater plan for our life, for our family, for this church. And we thank you that we know that we can be sustained by your grace and mercy, by your empowerment. Salamat, Panginoon. Truly, you are our great rebuilder. What you build will last forever. Salamat, Panginoon. I will invite the worship team to lead us a time of worship. And may this song be our prayer reminding us that all season he is there in all season of our life he is good and faithful hallelujah hallelujah let's worship the lord
sometimes it's broken. Many times it's broken. But we thank you that we can look upon you and trust you. Because you're the great rebuilder. Nothing is impossible to you. You can rebuild our lives. You can rebuild our marriages. You can rebuild the relationship we have with our children. You are a great rebuilder. So we set our eyes on you. So have your way. Speak to each of our hearts today. Some of us might be migrating, moving out to this Singapore or doing other things. Remind us that it's you that will build our lives. Salamat Panginoon. Salamat Panginoon. Salamat Panginoon. Encourage us through your word. Empower us with your spirit as we face a brand new day and a brand new week. Salamat, Panginoon. Hallelujah. Let me just read before I give the benediction. Philippians chapter 4. It says here, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. In the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. Let's raise our hands and receive the benediction. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church, in Christ Jesus throughout generation forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, O Lord, for this day. We give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for joining us in our online worship service. I pray that uh, be reminded the Lord is our great rebuilder. God bless everyone. Thank you for joining us. See you next week.